0: Hello and welcome to the only podcast that's all about Fort Meade, our community, and life in the military. I'm your host, Joe Nieves.
1: And I'm your co-host, Sherry Kuyper, and you're listening to Fort Meade Declassified. Hey Sherry, I heard you have some news for us. Well, I wouldn't say news. Okay. Really cool discovery I made. Okay. I might have a new job. Really? So Medieval Times is hiring. (laughs) And... I saw, so I saw on Facebook that Medieval Times was hiring and I was like, wow, like what do their jobs look like? So just out of curiosity, I looked, uh, the one at Arundel Mills right up the road here from Fort Meade. So anybody out there looking for a job, if you are a queen, my friend, they are looking to hire a queen at Arundel Mills. Yeah. So the queen is like the biggest role there. And I'm like, I'm totally a queen. I'm going to go do that. <laughs> but I just thought that was the coolest job because I was like, how do they yeah. um, find folks to do this? So the really, the requirements were pretty minimal. I think just not being afraid to be on a big stage in a fancy dress and that's cool and address your, your common folk yeah, and have them bow to you and, and all that. I, you know, but yeah, medieval times hiring a queen. I yeah. thought that
0: looked really cool. I, I, I'd, uh, I'd be ye old vendor of drumsticks.
1: Of <laughs> drumsticks. Cause you know, they have those big, those leg big turkey old, like, legs, turkey legs. Those big turkey legs, yes. Oh my gosh, like the <laughs> run fairs and everything. We should put that on the, the jobs page on, um, the website. Yeah. We hmm. need to find that. Just that one. Just add that one. Yeah. Just, uh, medieval times queen.
0: <laughs> so. That's a coo- that, I mean, if that's, if, if you were going to go try for a job, what better job than to be a queen?
1: I mean, you know. Right. And most of us were just everyday queens. So let's go put on the fancy dress exactly. and the crown exactly. and have people joust. And So then it was like looking at all the other jobs. So anyways, you can go to Medieval Times and you can look at their jobs and it shows like all the jobs for all the Medieval Times Fantastic. they have. Yeah. But the one at Arundel Mills is hiring a queen. Yeah. So I feel like our local is, businesses here. Yeah. And I feel, well, it's Medieval Times. Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, and if you I've haven't, been, if it, you haven't gone to Medieval yeah. Times. I don't even know what you're doing. Like, go. I mean, like, if you've never experienced so it, you're fun. missing out. It's fun. And you don't even need to be a, a child. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, I enjoyed it as an adult. Go with a group of your adult friends. I think it's more fun because it's kind of like, um, you know, you, you get to play along, right? Yeah. You get to cheer for yeah. your team. You're assigned a team, I guess, like yeah. a side that you're supposed to cheer for. And you get to boo and yeah. eat giant turkey legs and... <laughs> And all that. So, anyways, I just wanted to put that out there. I know lots of folks are looking for jobs. That was the coolest one That's I've a cool seen. One. Yeah. And I was like, Huh, I'm gonna to have to put that up. I don't know though, if you have to be vaccinated or not to work at medieval times.
0: Yeah, but I would assume so because you're dealing with other you know, other coworkers and the people around you. So
1: I wonder if she has a royal mask that she wears. That'd be interesting. I don't like know. Like a veil yeah. almost. Ooh, there you go. Yeah.
0: That's there how you do it fancy like.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So I don't know if they have um vaccination mandates there, but but we do here, we Joe, do at here. the fort. We yep. do indeed. So active duty service members mm-hmm. have one and federal employees now have one too. And it's coming up very quickly. Yes. So mm. fully vaccinated for federal employees. The mandate is for November twenty-second. Mm-hmm. So Just a couple weeks away.
0: Yep. And so today we have Major Emily Geisinger, the Fort Meade Deputy Staff Judge Advocate, and she's going to talk to us about what the mandates mean and what you need to know moving forward. Thanks for joining us today, Major.
1: So when it comes to this vaccine mandate, one of the big questions out there is exemptions. What are the possible exemptions that a person can use in regards to the vaccination?
2: Yeah, so um, I'm going to talk specifically about Army policies, but there's a lot of overlap with our sister services. Uh, In fact, the regulation on immunizations, what Army references as Army regulation or AR 40-562, it's a joint publication. So everything that I'm going to talk about regarding that is the same options if you're a member of the Air Force, uh, Navy or Marine Corps. So for soldiers, there's really two categories of exemptions. There's medical and there's administrative. And medical exemptions are exactly what they sound like. A medical professional is going to confirm that there's something in that soldier's medical history. It could be a pre-existing medical condition, an allergy to something, to an ingredient in the vaccine. Uh, it could be a drug interaction with something that soldier has already been prescribed. Right. And the medical professional is going to make a determination that at this time the risks of that soldier taking the vaccine outweigh the benefits. Okay. So the medical exemptions are are really straightforward, and those are medical professionals making those determinations. Right.
1: But then there's the other one that a lot of people I'm hearing are going for, and that's the religious exemption.
2: Yes. So religious exemptions are a subcategory of administrative exceptions. So I'm going to talk about that first, and then I'll delve into the religious ones specifically, because you're right, that is kind of the biggest... The biggest subcategory right It's the one they're talking about the most, for sure. So, like I said, religious exemptions are a subcategory of what's an overall umbrella term is administrative exemptions. The other administrative exemptions, they're really small. Uh, They don't affect a lot of soldiers. And it's mostly about record keeping for units. So, you know, in military units, we have to account for everybody. But say, for example, there's a soldier who is AWOL. They are absent without leave. We obviously have no way of knowing Mm -hmm. whether or not that soldier has been vaccinated or when they might return to military control so that we could inform them of the vaccine requirement. But the unit still has to account for that person. Okay. So in that case, in the unit records, that soldier will be reflected as having an administrative exemption for the vaccine.
1: Got Mm. it.
2: There's one administrative exemption other than the religious that's... Caused a little bit of confusion. So in the regulation, and again, that's the same one I referenced before, the AR 40-562, it talks about administrative exemptions for people who are leaving the service within the next 180 days. Okay. So expiration of term service or retirement. So there's been some people who... We're asking whether or not that exemption would apply for soldiers who are planning to leave the service. The guidance that's been put out is it doesn't, because if you look at the regulation, that exception only applies to deployment vaccines. So there are categories Mm, of vaccines that are regular and there are categories of vaccines that are deployment. For example, anthrax or smallpox or Japanese encephalitis is my personal favorite. Oh, that sounds like a fun one. (laughs) Deployment vaccine. COVID... The COVID-19 vaccine is a routine vaccination. Gotcha. So that exception does not apply. So there's been some confusion about that, but there has been clarifying guidance.
0: Easiest comparison would be like, it's like the flu vaccine.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's an entire table of vaccines that we get every year. Mm -hmm. And that's actually important to note is the COVID-19 vaccine is obviously a very hot topic right now. And there's a lot of questions about it. But these policies that we're talking about for medical, administrative, and then the religious exemptions, those procedures and those policies has existed for years. Mm. Right. We're not creating something new with this. We're just operating in an environment with a lot more scrutiny and questions about the process. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> with that, let's talk about the religious exemptions. Because yes. uh, that's certainly been a big topic. So religious exemptions are based in both... Department of Defense, and Department of the Army policy. And then more importantly, they're really rooted in federal law. So there's a federal law that's been around since 1993. It's called the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. It's usually referenced as RFRA. And what that law says, and I'm going to quote directly. Okay. um, So it's, The government shall not substantially burden an exercise of religion unless the burden is in furtherance of a compelling government interest and is the least restrictive means of furthering the same. So... What that means, for a religious exemption, in this case, a soldier would need to tell us what, how the vaccine mandate substantially burdens um, a sincerely held religious belief. And so we've seen a lot of these for a variety of reasons, and so the soldier needs to come forward with that information. So that's the first part of it. They have to assert that we, that this vaccine would substantially burden their okay. religious exercise. And then you move to the second part of that. So... If you're going to deny something, you have to have both a compelling government interest and you have to do it in the least restrictive means possible. So in this case, obviously, the government, the army, we have a very compelling interest in the health of our soldiers and the mission readiness of our force. Right. Once we get that, it's still the government has to do an individualized analysis of of that soldier's situation and how... Receiving the vaccine would really substantially burden that soldier, and we have to look at things like the least restrictive means of, okay, is there a middle ground that we could reach between that achieves our compelling government interests in health, safety, mission readiness, without necessarily? Could we do it in a way that doesn't involve forcing the soldier to receive right. a vaccine that's going to violate their religious beliefs? So it's it's a pretty complex process. I think I can talk more about exactly how that works in practice. Everything I just said is for service members, right. For civilian employees, so Department of Defense has put out that there will be exemptions for medical conditions and sincerely held religious beliefs, okay? And that they'll be granted in limited circumstances where legally required. So that law I mentioned, you know, RIFRA, Religious Freedom Restoration right. Act, that applies to the entire federal government. So that's not something that's specific to soldiers. Right. Okay. Um, and then there's obviously processes in place. Like I said, none of this is new. So, you know, we already have processes in place for civilian employees to request reasonable accommodations for medical right. conditions.
1: Of course. And, and that's very, mm-hmm. that's pretty straightforward.
2: Yes. So while we're waiting on guidance of exactly how those exemptions are going to be processed, I mean, people should be aware of the fact that there are exemptions available and that there will be a process for requesting them
1: i'm just really curious to see how this religion religious exemption mm -hmm. process will play out because how do you prove your religious beliefs
0: well no it's not so much that you have to prove your religious beliefs i the question is is how does getting a vaccine infringe upon those beliefs because i mean the the belief systems are in place have been in place for thousands of years so that's Almost everybody knows what those things are. It's how does a vaccine that came out in 2021 infringing on those beliefs? Right. So that's the question.
2: So without getting into the specifics of Of the accommodation requests that I've seen and heard about so far, it's really important to to note something about Rifra. It's a person's understanding of their religious exercise. Mm. So it's actually specifically in the definitions within the law itself and within some of the cases that have been in courts about Rifra, it doesn't have to be something that is a mandatory or compelled part of the religion. Okay. So I, you know, as a if you're a Christian, could have, you know, one Christian could have a different feeling about their religious exercises and their religious obligations than another Christian, even, you know, from the same small denomination. Right. So it's very individualized. I'll tell you that neither the military nor courts want to get into prefer you know obviously we're not going to preference one religion over another right. or so you look at sincerity that's that's really kind of where it comes down to it has to be a sincerely held religious belief mm-hmm. now when i advise commanders about this i always tell them to presume sincerity unless you have strong evidence to the contrary
0: right
1: so
2: like that they've gotten every other vaccine since they were like in kindergarten
1: that might would because that's, that's not like, necessary. that's one I mean, argument that I'm hearing is like, well, if you've gotten every other vaccine, why is this one all of a sudden one you don't want? I mean, I, I don't
0: think we'd be having this conversation if everybody looked I know. at it that way. That's what
1: I'm just saying. Because we've
0: been getting the flu vaccine for, you know, 30 years in the military. and Yeah. Maybe in the very beginning, they had this same conversation though.
1: Yeah. And maybe, and I, but but it's important though, if you're listening to understand though, that there are exemptions out there. Yes. That there's the medical, the admin, and then the religious that falls under it. And that ultimately we're still waiting on the guidance on how to process right. those exemptions for this vaccine. But exemptions have been around for a long time. This isn't a new right. thing. Right. We're just I think bringing in this COVID-19 vaccination yeah. bringing in a new product to it.
0: I think ultimately for everyone who's listening, it's just we're... We're along for the same ride as you. We're trying to understand this as we go, uh, just like you are. But there are options. So if somebody would like to pursue an exemption, Mm -hmm. what does that process look like?
2: Okay. So I'll get into the process, but I want to answer the... You guys raised a really great point about, you know, we get all sorts of vaccinations in the military uh, constantly, especially if you've deployed. So somebody's vaccine history or prior attitude towards vaccines might be important in considering the sincerity of their request, but it's also really important to note that people's religiosity can change. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, you know, that's like saying that somebody who just recently converted to a certain religion couldn't make a religious accommodation request because they didn't grow up in that religion. I love that you say that. That's really important. Yeah. And you know, it's, and especially we're seeing with this because of the publicity and because of the the public controversy about these vaccines people are educating themselves and doing you know they're doing research and they're yeah. they're finding information that maybe they haven't gone looking for in the past so you know if somebody is saying that hey i've i've done this research and i have made this conclusion that i have a religious religious objection to getting this vaccine you know maybe it, maybe they're going to acknowledge the fact that like hey i've gotten vaccines in the past and i haven't haven't thought about these right. issues. So that doesn't right. necessarily mean that their current request is is insincere. So it's important for people to keep that in mind. Right. So if they do want a request, um, so for, for soldiers, for religious accommodation requests, the process is found in Army Regulation 600-20, which is our command policy regulation. Like I mentioned, the process for religious accommodations for a variety of policies to include immunizations have been around for many years. Right. So they need to submit a memo explaining what the religious basis of their request is, what exactly they feel would be a substantial burden on their religious exercise. They're going to do an interview with a chaplain. Uh, The chaplain helps serve as sort of a subject matter expert to the command to evaluate uh, the, the sincerity and the religious basis of that request. And then really a lot of the heavy lifting is on the commands here to help. So these... The religious accommodation requests are going up very, very high for decision. They're going all the way up to the office of the surgeon to to actually to the Surgeon General okay. of the Army. So I mean, that's a three-star general, right? That's huge.
1: That's
0: big, yeah.
2: That is the only individual who has the authority to approve or deny a religious accommodation request. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. But commanders at the local levels really need to help inform that decision. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned earlier that it really needs to be an individualized approach. Right. So some of the things that commands need to be considering when they're looking at these requests or something the soldier might be looking at if they're, you know, making the case for their request is what is that soldier, what do they do? Where do they work? Is mm-hmm. it a unit that is scheduled to deploy or might deploy on very little notice? Um, what are the local case rates in the area? So I talked about it's got to be individualized and you're looking to see if there's a less restrictive Mm -hmm. alternative, right? Right. And that analysis might look really different for a soldier who primarily works outdoors, you know, kind of open air and is stationed in a place with low transmission rates. That analysis is going to look different from, let's say, a soldier who works Indoors in very close proximity to others in, right. a, in an area with high rates or needs to be rapidly deployable potentially to a part of the world that has very high transmission rates. Yeah. So it's not an all or nothing approach. And the Army is really trying to take the time to get these right, not only for those interests that we have in mission readiness, but also because we have a, an important obligation to protect the religious exercises of our soldiers. Right. Now, and then for the medical exemptions, mm-hmm.
1: earlier you said that was pretty straightforward. So is that process kind of the same medically? So,
2: yeah, for the medical exemptions, if they're temporary, which temporary meaning up to a year. Okay. okay. That's really at the, the provider level. So physician, physician assistant, nurse practitioner uh, can put in a temporary exemption. Okay. That's really a, a pretty easy process. Um, a good example, some of the temporary Accommodations that I think are getting approved are for pregnant soldiers who don't feel comfortable. Now there are plenty of pregnant soldiers who have taken the vaccine, right? But
0: but it's reasonable if they have hesitations and stuff,
2: right? So again, those are medical decisions, and that shouldn't be there shouldn't be factors coming into that other than a medical professional making a medical decision. If soldiers are requesting a permanent medical exemption, such that if the COVID-19 vaccine becomes akin to the flu vaccine and we're taking it every Mm -hmm. year, in order to get a permanent vaccine, that authority is withheld higher. So there are regional health commands. Right. So example, at Fort Meade, we fall under regional health command Atlantic. A permanent medical exemption has to go up to the commanding general of whatever regional health command that soldier falls under. Right. So, and then if if it's denied, the soldier can appeal it, and the appeal authority again is the surgeon general of the army. Right. So that three star level. So
1: now how does this all look because we think in Fort Meade here and there's so many civilians, so how does the exemptions process look for civilians?
2: That's one of the areas that we're definitely still waiting on guidance. Okay. Um, hoping that will come down soon. Okay. In terms of the decision authorities and like kind of what level the civilian civilian requests are gonna be handled at. The guidance right now um, in the absence of, of steps on processing is that if any civilian employees have submitted an exemption request, that the supervisors just hold on to those and not take any action until after the 22nd, and especially until after we've received that processing guidance. Okay. So how will, so we know how the exemptions are kind of
1: working. We understand that we're waiting for some guidance for the civilians, but how will this vaccination compliance be monitored? Uh, typically you can't just go around asking people their medical information. So is my boss going to be able to say, show me your vaccine card or or somebody else? Like how, how is that going to shape up?
2: So after the, so for soldiers, let me start with that. Soldiers, we get asked for medical information all of the time. Um, There's been a lot of confusion about what Is or isn't a HIPAA violation. Right. So, you know, HIPAA applies to protected entities, to covered entities. So, HIPAA says that a a medical entity, you know, your doctor's office, can't just give out your information. Right. Mm -hmm. But HIPAA doesn't mean that my military supervisor can't ask me medical information. Right. So,
1: right. And well, like, technically, I could sit here and ask you medical questions all mm -hmm. day, but at what point are you required to? Answer, yeah. I yes. guess, is the question.
2: So for soldiers, uh, we, we've passed that point. We've all been, we've all. At this point, all the soldiers have been asked, hey, are you know, if you're vaccinated, if you're not vaccinated, because for the soldiers, we're already into sort of the the enforcement period of the vaccine. Right, because mandate. your
1: mandate started before the civilian mm. federal employee one, right? Yes.
2: So we're not to our deadline yet, but we are. Right. Um, so, but for soldiers, the vaccine tra- status, it's tracked in MedPros, uh, just like the rest of our electronic medical record. If they got vaccines through the military, it's going to be... Updated into their med pros automatically.
1: Note: Okay, yeah. if
2: if it didn't, so like I got vaccinated off post, uh, but it's really simple. Um, so Kimbro uh, Ambulatory Care Center here, Care Clinic here at Fort Meade, the mel- the Medical Readiness Office has an email inbox, and you can just scan your vaccine.
1: Okay, like your card, your card or whatever. Yeah, okay. you can mm. scan it
2: to their inbox, or you can make a copy and drop it off at the military. Medical readiness clinic.
0: Okay, so
2: it's it's very straightforward in terms of getting that documentation into your file. Mm-hmm. Okay, because one of the important things to note about these vaccine mandates is, if you're refusing to share your status after the enforcement dates, you're going to be treated as being unvaccinated. Mm. Okay, so it behooves like soldiers and civilians who are vaccinated to go ahead and have that proof. Get it right. Yeah, and then for civilians, there was just guidance put out last week. Uh, so. At the civilian level, this is being handled. Again, this is all very this is high-level stuff because of the scrutiny and the the public discussion around it. Sure. So for civilians, the guidance that came out is from the Assistant Secretary of the Army for Manpower and Reserve Affairs. There's a Department of Defense a DD form that's going to be used for the civilian employee to fill out their vaccine information, and that's going to be complete with a copy of the vaccine card oh, or okay. some some documentation you know from right. from a medical provider that you got the vaccine okay so those forms can either be completed in hard copy and given to supervisors or there's going to be i think it's actually already i think it already works But it's on the Mill Connect website, the same place Uh, you would go to update, you know, like how your email appears. Okay, Mm -hmm. I think I did see an email Mm -hmm. mentioning Mill Connect floating around recently. So good to know that that's kind of
1: coming and that's how the civilian workforce is going to update.
2: Yeah. So there's a tab on there. And if civilian employees are already fully vaccinated, they can go ahead and and do the certification and get that verified. Oh. You don't have to wait for for that's November twenty second. Cool. Okay. So that's, that's that's good. good to know. Be, you know, beat the rush or, or beat the website crashing. That, yeah, I was <laughs> gonna
1: say the crash. And, well, it'll probably happen before the twenty second yeah, because we'll like all be on Thanksgiving break yes. for twenty <laughs> third and whatever. Yeah. yeah. So okay. Well, that's that's um, good to know that that's how it's going to go and hopefully people won't put up too much of a fuss about sharing the fact that they were vaccinated yeah i don't i don't think so i think i mean i remember like when i went through school and my daughter went through school we had to like show them all of our vaccinations and everything mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. hopefully people will treat this like that it's not it's not a big deal
0: government employees, service members they're all familiar with the concept of having to you know for certain things having to disclose certain information so sure. it's not it's not new
1: well you Joe, Joe here is a veteran. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he's speaking from, <laughs> I guess maybe a it's uniform. a little bit too much experience. Gonna, <laughs> well, I was going to say, I think it's different. My husband, as I've said many times on this podcast, he's also active duty. Mm-hmm. The rules are very different for you folks yeah. than for mm-hmm. those of us like myself who've, uh, who've never put on a uniform. So, mm-hmm. and, I th- and I think that's where a lot of this is, is kicking up too, because this is the first time I've ever had a job tell me that I have to get vaccinated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like literally ever. Now I know you guys have Experienced that for for lots of different reasons when in service, um, but you know I've been on this planet a long time and I've been at work quite a few jobs. This is the first time I've ever been told I had to do something. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't like being told I have to do things. Now I was on board with the vaccine. I was vaccinated as soon as I humanly Mm -hmm, could be. mm -hmm. But I can see where a lot of people are like, excuse me? Yeah. I'm sorry. I have to do what? You know, so, so I get it. I get it. I get, I get the resistance. And Mm -hmm. as we were saying, it's already such a a controversial thing. There's so much in the media about it. Yeah, of course. Pulling people in 10 different directions. So, so yeah, I can, I can see, I can see where, where there's a lot of concern around this.
0: I mean, I understand where you're coming from about the being told what to do and, I can understand the pushback from, um, from the community, and when I hear about it online and in the news and stuff like that. But the way the way I view it, and maybe this is colored by my military service, but you know, we're free to do what we want. But there is a such thing as responsibility sure. to use that freedom appropriately. And in a in a moment like this, our, as Americans, we usually come together pretty well when there's adversity. So I would hope that they say, you know, they look at this and they're like, okay, well this is to help everyone.
1: The so, good news is here at Fort Meade, yeah, like we're at about seventy one percent of the workforce vaccinated.
0: Yeah, which is pretty so, good.
1: So which I think that's pretty good. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so we've already got a lot of people on, on board yeah. and yeah. and all that. <laughs> Excuse me. And um so yeah, we already got a lot of people on board with the vaccinations here
0: well and, and and while we're on the topic of civilians the mandate says that we must be vaccinated by November 22nd uh what happens if an employee is on the way to being vaccinated like like they've gotten their first dose but they won't get the second one by the time the deadline hits
2: right because the whole thing's like a six-week process right right yeah yes so i mean bottom line department of Defense encourages all personnel to get vaccinated as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And then we've talked about it a little bit, like after the 22nd of November, there are going to be some, some effects if, if people aren't vaccinated or if they are uncomfortable or refusing to share their vaccination status. Right. Because I I mentioned that if you're vaccinated, but refusing to tell anybody or show the vaccine card or that DD form, you're going to be Mm -hmm. treated as unvaccinated. So There has been guidance that after the 22nd of November, anyone who's unvaccinated or refusing to share their vaccine status on the civilian side would be subject to disciplinary measures. um, Unless they have received an exemption, like we talked about, Mm -hmm. medical or religious, or they've submitted an exemption request and are waiting on a decision. So... But at the same time, the guidance is and, and everything is about that, you know, taking people's individual facts and circumstances into account. So, you know, in the example that you give, you know, somebody gets started on this six week process a little bit later right. and, you know, maybe they're not going to be vaccinated Fully vaccinated on right. the twenty second. Yeah, that's going to be taken into consideration. That's that's a different kind of scenario than somebody who is right vocally refusing to 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 get the vaccine. Right. Okay. Um. But important to note that after the twenty second, anybody who isn't vaccinated or won't provide proof, regardless of the reason, uh, on the civilian side is going to be subject to routine. COVID testing, if they're working in an office, and then also, you know, kind of the continuing mask mandates, social distancing, Mm -hmm. right? And that's going to apply even if that person has an approved medical exemption, or religious exemption, because at that point, it's also about, you know, protecting the workforce. right, Mm -hmm. Um, So... There could be a variety of reasons why someone hasn't been vaccinated or hasn't shared, but regardless of the reason, they're going to be subject to those sort of additional force protection measures.
1: Right. So, for those listening, um, for for the the federal employees, by the time this podcast, by the time this you're listening to this you should have already had your first vaccine. Mm -hmm. The second one would need to happen on November 8th. Uh, The only, unless you get the J&J, which is in compliance, you can get that one on November 8th and still be completely in compliance by the 22nd. So before, um, before we move on, so what I'm understanding for this, and I just, because this is confusing and that's why we're talking about this. There is a mandate out there. For active duty military personnel to get vaccinated, we'll we'll talk about their specific mandate in a second. There's a one for the federal employees that we have to be fully vaccinated by the twenty second, and that that's out there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we there's you can get a medical exemption, you can get religious exemption, and we're still waiting on the guidance on how to process those exemptions. But that doesn't mean that the vaccine mandate is on the on the shelf like that's it's still out there. Yeah. And then on the 23rd, basically, is kind of what we were talking about before uh, before we started recording is when those those measures are going to go into place for those who aren't vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And so that's when we're, you know, not everybody's going to get fired on the 23rd if you (laughs) don't have your vaccination. But that's when the process is going to start for um, what's the word I'm looking for? Holding, holding you accountable to, to the mandate, yeah. I guess, is what I'm saying. So for active duty service members, when, so you, we talked, you mentioned a little bit earlier, their mandate started prior to the federal um, employee one. So where where's the active duty service member mandate
2: at right now? So the active duty guidance are service members, not just active duty. So touche. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it gets complicated. Yeah, because it does. Every, every service and every component has kind of said different deadlines. Sure. So the army hasn't hit our deadlines yet. Okay. But the rollout of the army mandatory vaccinations started couple months ago um, in terms of making sure that we we educate soldiers, putting out the exemption procedures. And if soldiers have, although they have until the deadline, you know, for any soldier who has come forward and stated, I refuse, I, I will not receive this vaccine, I refuse, and they don't have a active exemption request in the process. We have already in the army uh, started to have some there have, there have already been some effects uh, for those soldiers. Okay. Um, so the army's sort of taking a phased approach in terms of, of consequences for, for soldiers who have, who have vocally stated that they are intending to refuse the vaccine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. So for, for the deadlines for the Army, active-duty soldiers have to be fully vaccinated by December 15th of this year, and the National Guard and Reserves have a longer timeline uh, simply, you know, mm-hmm. geographic dispersal. We're talking sure. about hundreds of that thousands makes, of people. That makes sense. Yeah. So for Guard and Reserve Army, it's 30 June. And so it's actually, you know, more oh, than wow. six oh, months so wow. from now. Next yeah. summer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So for the Air Force, which I, includes the Space Force, uh, their deadline is 2 November for active duty and 2 December for Guard and Reserve. And then for Navy Marine Corps, their deadline is 28 November for active duty and 28 December for reservists. Okay. Now for people who are, let's say they're a reserve in one of the arm, in one of the military forces, but they're also a federal employee, they need to be. It's it's whichever going to be 22nd one comes sooner, right? Yeah, whichever yeah. one comes sooner. Yeah, yeah. which is all the reserve deadlines are out past the 22nd of November. So really it's going to be that 22nd November. And actually
1: I'm really glad you brought that up because I do think that's probably a big part of our, our workforce, Mm -hmm. you know, that Mm -hmm. are reservists. And um, so whatever comes sooner (laughs) is what you need to follow. Yes. Mm -hmm. None of this. Well, I'm a reservist, so I have to wait. No, 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 no. If you're a federal employee, whatever one comes faster. That's the one you got to do first.
2: Yeah, so for the Army right now, you know, we, we certainly have soldiers who are, are still on the fence, and there's procedures in place about making sure they get counseling and education on the benefits of the vaccine. Right. But for a soldier who's still struggling with that decision, you know, 15 December, but yeah. we have soldiers who have affirmatively come forward and stated. Sure. yes. Mm-hmm. So in that case, that's where there's starting to be some of those enforcement right. mechanisms. Right.
1: And because you already have the guidance for that. So yes. So you can move forward with that. And – um. Well, and I just want to add, to you know, Joe and I, we've been talking about this forever. Yeah, um, feels like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, for a long time now about the vaccines. We had Dr. K from Anne Arundel County on. Mm-hmm. We've had different folks on about it. You can go to the Fort Meade Facebook page and you can look under the events and look at all the to- uh, COVID town halls, especially the ones where you see uh, Colonel Michael on them. He, he has talked about these vaccine- vaccines, rather, this vaccine uh, for over a year now. So there's lots of information out there that have come from various experts here locally who can talk about them. So I just encourage you, if you're still on the fence, that's okay. It's, it's, a, it's a huge decision and, and we know it shouldn't be taken lightly, but we just want you to know that those uh, resources are out there for you to go back and kind of watch. And mm-hmm. you can, even with the town halls, you can see how that information's evolved um, over the past year. And then lastly, Joe, I think just mentioned that you can go, if you're like, you know what, that major Geisinger has got me convinced I'm going to go get my vaccine today, you can, Uh, well, okay, depending on when you're listening to this, maybe not today, today, but well, I got to put that out there, but, but you can go get it at McGill. Yes. you can Go get it at McGill. They um, have the vaccine center up and running there. Mm -hmm. And of course your own medical providers, I'm sure can do that as well. So just wanted to put that information out there. There's a lot of resources for you. To look things up, and of course the CDC is always kind of the guiding light for these kind of things. So yeah, you can absolutely do your own research and get educated and make and make the right decision for you.
0: Major Geisinger, who can they get in touch with? Uh, let's say to start the process um if they if they want to uh do an exemption?
2: Oh, say for soldiers, uh medical exemptions need to start with a medical provider, uh religious exemptions and need to again start with the soldier uh, crafting. A as a memo uh, explaining the basis, and then talking to their first line first line commander really is going to get that process rolling. For civilians, right now, if they're contemplating submitting an exemption, again, there's no established process right now. Uh, but if they are, you know, they can do be doing the background things like formulating their their reasoning or seeking, you know, a medical opinion to to back up what they might be requesting in the future.
1: Thank you, Major Geisner, for joining us today with this great information. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to come out and join us.
2: No, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity.
1: Thanks for tuning in. Remember, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram,
0: as well as iTunes. We're also on divithub.net if you search for Meade to Classify.